Hey, poker players, it's time to level up. My name is Mike Brady, and if you ever play tournaments that start with deep stacks, I'm talking 200 plus big blinds, this episode is for you. Come to think of it, cash game players who often play with deep stacks would be smart to listen closely as well. You're about to get a short lesson on early stage deep stack strategy from one of the best tournament players of all time, Nick Petrangelo. Nick will hold the strategic reins throughout this episode, and I'll be cutting in to reiterate and highlight key takeaways that you won't want to miss. All right, let's get into it. Hey guys, just want to give you a quick intro to this bonus course, which is focused on deep stack MTT strategies. I want to just get into, first of all, everyone's always talking about cash games versus MTTs or and you know tournament players versus cash game players, but in reality, these days, it's pretty much the same game, right? I say these days because now tournaments online and live seem to start extremely deep. You know, you're starting with 200 or 300 BBs. Stacks are very deep for a long time on day ones, especially live. And there are now unlimited re-entries typically, or at least a few re-entries. So with the advent of re-entries and these deep stack structures, you're pretty much playing a cash game, right? The only time there are differences is like, for example, I just played Super High Roller Bowl 300K. That's a freeze out. You only get one crack at it. So right off the bat, there are these tournament concerns. The same thing happens in these big soft main events where, you know, if you have a really soft table or in, you know, like the tournament I just played, like I say, like the super high stakes ones that stay, you have the same table pretty much the whole time. If you get a really great seat draw there, you might tend to change your strategies a little bit versus other regulars because you want to stay in that seat pick off those big losers that are losing, you know, who knows, maybe five to 20 BB per hundred or something at that table. So you're going to maybe take some different strategies, but in unlimited re-entries, it's the same thing as being able to reach back in your pocket in a cash game and just get right back in. So you're playing a cash game for the most part on these day ones, you're just playing pure chip BB. So you really want to get good at these deep stack strats because you don't want to be the guy that's like late regging with 50 BBs because you're not comfortable at 100 or 200 or 300. Because a lot of times the recreationals start right on time because they like to maximize the amount of times they're playing. They like to feel like they have a couple different cracks at getting coolered or if they lose a flip, they're still in there. So they start really deep. So you want to be getting really good at these deep stack spots. Our first takeaway is a pretty basic one, but it is fundamental to early stage tournament strategy. If you're in a re-entry tournament with deep stacks and you are willing to re-enter, you are for all intents and purposes playing a cash game. Your tournament life is not a factor. Survival should not be top of mind. Your goal is simple. Play a strategy that maximizes your expected value. A strategy that wins you as many chips as possible. Things become a bit less like a cash game if you're in a freeze-out tournament like the World Series of Poker main event, but even in that case, your preflop and postflop strategies should very much look like they would in a cash game. You might just want to pass up on the most marginal of spots so you can stick around and pick on the weaker players. Back to Nick. So in this section, I'll take you over some of the biggest differences in terms of flop strats, which is basically just like if you take your 40, 50, 60 BB strats and you put them in play in deep stack, you're going to get in trouble because a lot of times... What happens is players will be c-betting too much. You have to get comfortable on the check-check lines. You have to get comfortable checking your range in general in single-raise pots, especially out of position. It's just much more expensive to be start firing in, you know, big betting out of position um, in single-raise pots. So we'll call it, we'll cover that. And basically, one of the big things is that 
deep stack poker isn't time for, you know, oh, I'm going to start playing these giant bets. I'm going to play these huge pots. And there's takeaway number two. If you're used to playing tournaments with 50 or fewer big blind stacks, you should be careful when it comes to carrying those strategies over to super deep stacks. When you've got 40 or 50 big blinds and a raise goes in preflop, somewhat strong hands like top pair have a lot of value. You often get to play these hands aggressively, sometimes for your entire stack. And then because your threshold for stacking off is relatively low, you get to bluff more aggressively as well. That's even more true in bloated 3-bet pots. Playing with 200-plus big blind stacks is a different story. Sure, you've got a great hand when your king-10 hits top pair on a 10-high flop, but is it a hand really worth trying to get your huge stack in by the river? If you go that route and actually get action, I think you'll find that your opponents will often have you beat. The solution is to play a more defensive strategy overall. Be more willing to take the passive route with decent hands and decent draws. Don't feel like you have to always use a bunch of huge bets just because you're deep. Small bets have their place too. It's especially important to err on the defensive side when you're out of position. Throughout the deep stack dominance course, which is where Nick's lesson is from, he goes over a bunch of different deep stack situations, and there's one in particular I want to tell you about. Suppose the button raises, you 3-bet from the big blind, and the button calls. Now imagine the flop comes ace-high, ace-4-2 to be exact. You might think that this is a good flop for you, and you should c-bet quite often. After all, you 3-bet preflop and your opponent just called, meaning you're the player who can have super strong hands like pocket aces and ace-king more often. If you were playing with 40 big blind stacks, you'd be right to c-bet that ace-4-2 flop quite often, but that'd be a mistake with 200 big blind stacks. Backed by the solver, Nick recommends checking this flop far more often than betting. The solver checks 73% of the time, and it's a range that includes strong hands, medium strength hands, and total air. Top set is an obvious inclusion in the checking range, it's tough for your opponent to have anything when you hold most of the aces, but some less intuitive strong hands also make their way into the checking range, like ace-king, ace-queen, and ace-jack all at some frequency. Nick explains that the factor driving this passive strategy is our range's polarized equity distribution, a complicated-sounding term for a simple idea. Our good hands are really good, and our bad hands are really bad. If we 3-bet with the proper range preflop, we are likely to have either a quite good hand, like an ace on that ace 4 2 board, or a hand that has totally missed, like a suited connector, and those make up a really big part of the 3-betting range preflop out of the big blind. Plus, our range includes a solid amount of medium strength hands to protect, like pocket 9s and pocket 10s. On top of all of this, the button has a big advantage when it comes to super strong hands. We might be the only player who can have the top set of aces, but our opponent is the only player who can have the lower sets, pocket 4s and pocket 2s, as well as the two pairs with ace 4 and ace 2 suited. We probably would have just called those hands out of the big blind preflop, but he'd always call the 3-bet with them. Our bluffs mostly missing the flop and the button having way more super strong hands essentially forces us into a defensive position. So, we check most of the time with a well-balanced range and go from there. Nick covers that spot with much more depth in the fourth Deep Stack Dominance course video, so be sure to check that out if you want to master that out-of-position 3-bet spot. That was a long second takeaway, but I think that example was worthwhile. Let's get back to Nick. I think a lot of people that are inexperienced deep think it's time to do something very special and start firing a lot of money in the pot a lot. 
Of course, big pots happen, bluffs happen, but in general, the strategies look a lot closer to, you know, being very precise in terms of a lot of small betting, a lot of small check raising, um, getting a little bit of money in the way your range wants to with very similar shapes to shallow, but just like putting in less money. A lot of passive lines. So that's what we're going to focus on in this section is just the passive lines and three bet pots and, and single raise pots, even in four bet pots, how to play those spots. Because basically what matters when we're playing deep, right? Flop strats matter for sure, but the differences are fractional. But the spots that really matter are when a lot of money is going in. And that's what's going to be the big difference for you if you're used to playing shallower tournaments. If you are used to playing 30, 40, 50, 60 BBs deep, you typically don't have these spots where there's a ton of big blinds in the middle and then also SPR remains deep. So when I'm giving a crash course in terms of preparing for deep stacked MTT play, say you've got a big trip coming up, you're going to PCA in January or you're going to play, you know, five diamond at Bellagio or a big WPT main event that has some size and all these things are deep stacked and you're used to playing online a little bit shallower or late regging, or your expertise is shallower. If I'm going to give you a crash course in deep stacked MTT play, I'm going to pick spots where there's a ton of money in the pot already, and you're not used to it, and your mistakes could be crucial, right? You're not going to make a ton of mistakes if you're playing reasonable in like a 200 BB single raise pot versus the big blind, right? You're going to have to check more. Your value thresholds are a little bit higher, especially on rivers, of course, because, you know, you just, the amount of money that you can put in for stacks is much greater, of course, so then your thresholds are higher. So typically, you're not trying to get stacked with over pairs or a good top pair like you are when you're 50, 60 BBs deep. But you guys are going to get that intuitively if you're good poker players. But the spots you really want to focus on are three bet pots, squeeze pots, four bet pots, where there's a ton of big blinds in the pot and SPR is still deep. So if you torch it, it's super expensive. So that's kind of how you want to prepare for MTTs, not by going through all these different little subtle differences in deep stack play. The big thing to keep in the back of your mind is just in the single raise pots, it's just like, I'm not allowed to put as much money in. If I'm unsure that there's a big bet here, there probably isn't out of position. Deep stack play is not about being fancy and putting people all in all the time. It's about being super precise and careful and defensive a lot of times and that's how it is and you just kind of wait and let people play way too big of pots and it actually becomes a much easier game in terms of that when you're playing against softer opponents because you won't believe how willing people are to put in a ton of money and you're just kind of sitting there playing good cards all the time and you're just kind of picking it off deep stack poker is about playing good cards being precise and understanding these concepts our third and final takeaway is to make sure you aren't the player who's punting a ton of big blinds early in tournaments. You should play solid starting hands and be precise when it comes to post-flop aggressions and let your opponents make the big mistakes. If you play tournaments and feel like you're regularly blowing through your 200 big blind starting stack within the first couple blind levels, take a deep, critical look at the hands you play. Did you really need to run that bluff or make that big hero call in a 400 big blind pot? The answer will sometimes be yes. Big bluff spots and good hero call spots do happen. But it shouldn't be that frequent when stacks are that deep. So if it feels like it's happening to you too often, you'd be wise to tweak your strategy. If you want to watch Nick's entire deep stack dominance course, you're in luck because I've got a special $200 coupon code for anyone who listens to this podcast. The coupon code is DEEPSTACK200. That's all one word. 
You can click the link in the description or head over to Upswing Poker to add the Deep Stack Dominance course to your cart, then input that Deep Stack 200 coupon code to get your $200 off. I'll let Nick explain what you can expect in that concise course. So in this section, I'm going to take you through some spots where there's a ton of money in the pot. I'll also take you through some pots I played in live tournaments just to give you an idea of how you know deep stack interactions happen on day one, day two, that maybe you know some single raise pots and some squeeze pots that just are uncommon for shallower stacks. So that's what you can expect in this section. Hope you enjoyed the show. Gary Blackwood will be back in the next one. See you then.